I'm your health coach, Melissa Lee. Here at Thriving with Nourishment Health, I provide women with the resources to reclaim fertility and celebrate periods through the lens of functional medicine. It is time to empower ourselves with natural solutions over band-aid medicines. We will get to the root cause of symptoms to see the bigger picture. Let us find the ability to heal ourselves, get back to Mother Nature, and live in a healthier world. Hey everyone, at the start of the recording of this episode, and actually throughout the whole of it, there will be some loud noises because the apartment next to me started having a lot of demolition and construction happening. I totally did not see this coming and there was no warning given to me, so I sincerely apologize for the background noise and I hope you will enjoy the episode regardless. Today on the show, I have Amy Rock, a renowned women's health and fertility expert, celebrity, acupuncturist, and coach, and the best-selling author of the books Chill Out and Get Healthy, Yes, You Can Get Pregnant, and Body Belief. She's a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist in private practice in New York and Connecticut. So I first heard Amy on a PCOS Diva podcast and really resonated with what she was saying about the importance of mindset and wanted her to join the show to talk about this. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi everyone, so I have Amy Robb on the podcast today. I um, first heard Amy on a PCOS Diva podcast and I'm so excited to have her on here. So welcome. Hi everyone. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Melissa. Yes. So I think the importance of, you know, a mindset and like, I want to talk a little bit more about your book, Body Belief too, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to PCOS women. So my first question to you is like, you know, when it comes to PCOS, women tend to identify themselves as like feeling worthless as a woman or, um, you know, feeling like they're infertile, infertile after a visit to the, you know, the OBGYN. So what would you say to these women? Well, I mean, I don't think anyone is worthless. I do think that we're all brought here for a reason, you know, so, um, but it's like, I understand it, you know, in that sense, especially when it comes to, um, you know, not feeling like your body is working the way other women's bodies do, and that there's this challenge ahead of you. So I can understand that, you know, that you can place your worth on that. And, and it can be, it's, it's very disheartening to have any kind of, you know, struggles and PCOS can really impact obviously just regular menstruation hormones across the board. And then of course, women's ability to, to get and stay pregnant, right? Some PCOS girls can have a lot right. of uh, chemical pregnancies or early miscarriages. And so what would I say? I mean, I also really believe though, that there's a lot you can do to manage your PCOS. So it's, you know, let yourself feel all the feelings. I'm a huge fan of feeling every single feeling we have and being easy on ourselves and giving ourselves grace in the space to feel all the feelings. But when you're ready, it's, you know, it, it, then you turn, turn it around to empower yourself and, and okay, so what can I do? Like, what have other women in my position done? How have they managed or healed their PCOS? How have they managed to go on to, you know, have children or have regular cycles? I also think though, like to keep it in context of regular for PCOS girl might be like a 45 day cycle. And that might be awesome. You know what I mean? So like, keep that in mind too, that 
that we're not robots, we're humans. And so I don't know that the goal for every PCOS girl is to have a 28 day cycle. Then of course there are those, you know, other, you know, there's certain PCOS types that have regular cycles, but they still have PCOS symptoms. So it's really just more about empowering yourself and understanding that you can manage, you know, your blood sugars, which will really impact your hormones. And, you know, there's a lot of tools I think that you can use to regulate your hormones and, and then achieve whatever it is, the goal you're trying to achieve if it's, if it's a healthy pregnancy. But so it's, you know, the worthiness, like and a lot of things I do too, when I work with clients is, you know, we look at what I call all the kinks in the system. So PCOS is your diagnosis, right? And mm-hmm. um, I don't want anybody to live by a label. I think that's, um, it's demeaning, right? And then you lose your own value in that. I, I, I do agree with, you know, where I could see where the worthlessness would come in. But then what other symptoms are going on in your body? You know, do you have gastrointestinal issues? Do you have skin issues? Do you have sleep issues, anxiety? Um, and just start to focus on like, healing them or fixing them and and in as a means to begin to empower yourself of oh okay so you know i had all these symptoms to begin with and you know i have a lot of the symptoms um like a checklist in my book body belief and you can monitor them as as you start to you know change your diet and the supplements and work on the mindset piece and the stress and sleep lifestyle all of those things clean up your bath and beauty products and start to see the shifts that then starts to give you power back, you know? So it's really about, I think you have to honor that you feel this way and, and grieve, I suppose, what you thought it would look like, like maybe what you imagined is a regular cycle or the ease of getting pregnant and growing your family. Like, so there's, I think there's a grief part that has to be acknowledged, but then it's shifting gears to what can I do? Because other women have been in my shoes. Like I'm not the only one, you are not alone. And so start to understand that and start to pick up the pieces and and do what feels, you know, the most doable for you without feeling completely like overwhelmed. Right. Yeah. That's a lot that you said that Um, you said there, I think it's really great that, you know, for them to start healing or changing their mindset, you're talking about like not putting pressure on like feeling labeled. Cause I, I do think that's a lot of pressure and also the pressure of like trying to get like a 28 day cycle, um, definitely like a thing. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's like, I talk to any woman, most women jump around, you know? Um, right. and also as, as a natural fertility expert or women's health, whatever, whatever it is I do and however I'm labeled, um, I will tell you right now that women of all different cycles and all different ovulations get pregnant, you know? So it's, you don't have to achieve this perfect 28 day cycle. I think that that's a lot of pressure on every single woman. And then this yeah. healthy, juicy ovulation every single month and this beautiful LH surge and this, you know, healthy progesterone levels. Like we want to see those steps happen, right? That's important for all of those things to happen. Mm-hmm. But you could still ovulate, you know, on cycle day 20 or cycle day 30 and, and still achieve a pregnancy if that's your goal, or even just continue to have healthy cycles. Like my goal, you know, in my brain is when I get the PCOS types that have very long cycles is I want to get it below 50 days. Like that's, that's honestly my goal. Mm-hmm. And also, especially if they're trying to conceive, if I can get it closer to like 36 or 40, then I'm getting the more attempts in that year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when you have such a long cycle, you, you lose the attempts that that's the part that like frustrates, I think all of us, but, um, 
but I have plenty of girls that, you know, ovulate between cycle day 20 and cycle day 30 and they have healthy children from it. So it's, it it doesn't have to be textbook in order for you to achieve what you want to achieve. I love that. I think that just relieves a lot of pressure. It's hearing, hearing you talk about it. It's just, Okay. I don't and, have- and the upside too, and uh, you know, guys might want to not hear this, but like PCOS girls have a ton of eggs, you know, so you got a lot of opportunity and that's how I would try to look at it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, it, you know, amongst my team, right. I have a team of associates that, you know, we, I work with all the time and, um, you know, we kind of say like, okay, PCOS, like, you know, if you're going to have something that, that's that's the thing to have because we can we can figure that out it's it's very workable it is right um, endometriosis you... is a little harder you know it's like because <laughs> it's like it's unseen and you know what I mean it's like it's tricky it's it's like secretive and um and causes all sorts of you know so it's like PCOS uh it's still real and it exists and it's annoying and you want to you want to get around it and figure out how to balance you know the hormones in your body but but you can, and it's manageable. Yeah, totally manageable by lifestyle interventions. 100%. I mean, yes. that's, that's the biggest thing. Eating regularly, watching alcohol, watching sugar foods, um, bath and beauty products, uh, sleeping enough. I mean, it really, it like, it shifts dramatically. Yeah. Acupuncture, okay, so, I think too. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, so you were talking about, you know, like being able to get pregnant, you know, in any cycle or like uh, almost like any age. So I'm just wondering, like, what are some of the misconceptions around advancing age and fertility? Um, you know, I think what we're told is over the age of 35, you basically fall off a fertile cliff. And right. You're like that. slippery slope. You need you're to screwed, do something. You know, you're not having kids. You're done. Um, and there is... Uh, you know, so some truth to that, right? Like as we age, our ovarian reserve does decline. And like, even as we age, like just cellularly, like we're just not as resilient as we used to be. Like you might notice that if like you went out and had a couple cocktails with friends and like in your 30, late thirties in comparison to your late twenties, the recovery is really different, you know, or Mm -hmm. if you pulled an all nighter for a work project or something, same kind of thing. Like in college, we totally got away with it and we were fine. Like a couple (laughs) extra cups of coffee. We were good to go, you know, in your late thirties, early forties, you're, you're laid up for a day or two. Right. So, so you can see it in that sense of like the cellular, I would call it resiliency. Mm -hmm. It gets a little compromised. And, and another thing I like to say is I think as we get older, our, our pipes get clogged more easily. So things can build up and the body has a harder time cleaning or detoxifying. Right. And so that stuff definitely impacts egg quality. So if we're just generally speaking about a a general person who's aging, egg quality will diminish, but it's not to say that all your eggs are gone or all your eggs are bad. Um, in fact, I did a really fascinating interview with this fertility doctor I work a lot with, Dr. Murphy, um, up here. He's he's in New York City and in Connecticut. And we, we had a great conversation about this that he actually said, in fact, all your eggs are not bad. Like every single egg in your body has all the chromosomes it needs. It's the outer fluid that surrounds the egg that impacts how that egg divides and develops. And so in the outer he called it like the yolk versus the white. So the yolk has the chromosomes. That's all good in there. Mm -hmm. The whites can get 
very impacted by lifestyle, by diet, by stress, by aging. And, but there's plenty of people that age before their time because they don't take good care of themselves. Right. And then there's plenty of people that take stellar care of themselves and, and they look 35 when they're 45. Right. You know, so that's really what it's about. It's not, it's yes, we all age and fertility will decline, but it's, it's also very, you know, it's, it's incremental. It's not this fertile cliff that you fall off of. So it's like, okay, by the age of 35, they say one in three women will get pregnant after one year of trying. And so that's 60%. So that's still, you know, a significant amount. Although the the current stats argue that, that it's actually closer to like 70 to 80% of women um, over the age of 35 will get pregnant after one year of trying. And then 35 to 40, it's about like 78%. And so it kind of goes down that way. So I would say in your 40s, like mid 40s, maybe, maybe even best case scenario or worst case scenario, 50% of women will get pregnant, you know, if they're actively trying, but also if they've made these adjustments, like there's so much that we know now that we can do to amplify, um, like antioxidant activity in our body, which is basically means we're going to amplify cellular function. We're going to amplify mitochondrial function. And when we do that, we, we then have a really good shot at improving egg quality. Yeah, like I think there's almost two different conversations of like chronology versus physiology. So it's really about your physiological age, not the chronological age. Mm, That makes so much sense. Um, You know, my my current client, she has like Hashimoto's, but she recently got pregnant after a few months of trying and she's like 38 now this year. Um, And isn't like, you know, Dr. Bryden, she's like, She's yeah. pregnant right now. <laughs> yeah, how old is she too? I, I was trying to research uh, how old she was and I don't know. I feel like she's 40 something in her early 40s. Yeah, I think she's 42. I I thought I saw a video about it and she re, re, like released Revealed. her age. <laughs> well, I got pregnant easily with my son at 40. I gave birth at 41. Mm-hmm. And then I got pregnant again at 44, right before my 45th birthday. I miscarried that unfortunately, but it wasn't actually for an age related issue. Um, and, and, you know, I'm still in the game at, at 46 and, you know, and like have good numbers and all the things and, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, um, we'll see what happens, but I have plenty of clients, 44, 45, 46, 47. I just had a 48 year old make, she's using IVF, but she just made a chromosomally normal embryo at 48, Mm -hmm. which is currently, that's the eldest client I have. but following, you know, my whole protocol. And, and so it's working. So, but it's also like, just because you're younger though, doesn't guarantee that all your eggs are good too. Like, you know, I think that's an important concept as well. Like, yes, you're less impacted by your lifestyle. So it's less, the less years you live, the less impact it's taken. Right. And as you Mm -hmm. live longer, if you don't make these changes, the impact will have more and more of an impact on especially quality and hormones. So to, you know, to, really look at it as this is about how I am, like my overall health, like fertility is an extension of health. It's not always just a function. Age is just one part of it. There's so many other factors. I love that. That is a clear explanation. I think, I think if someone asks me that I can respond appropriately. Answer now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not just about age. Um, okay, so you know, in terms of like, I know you also dive into a lot of like the other pillars of health when you're helping someone like try to conceive or you know try to get their hormones in balance. So like, how and when did you discover that like the emotional and spiritual parts are just as important? So I, you know, 
the plan always was for me to go to medical school and become a medical doctor, right? And so studied biology and chemistry and undergraduate degree, then went on for, you know, graduate level work in neuroscience. And um, I didn't get into medical school the first time I applied. So I had to do some graduate work and then reapply. And during that time is when I discovered traditional Chinese medicine. Acupuncture is one facet of Chinese medicine and decided to uh, change like a career path. And I went to study traditional Chinese medicine. But what spoke to me the most was, so at the time I was doing research at a really great institution. We were doing stuff on neuroscience, looking at Alzheimer's disease, you know, purely science, you know, growing, you know, uh, rat hippocampal cells in like Petri dishes and seeing like, you know, like we were, we were really in it, but in my real life, I had a grandmother who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and was declining quite rapidly. And, and it stemmed from what we thought as like my family from like depression, she'd lost her job, her boyfriend had died, like there was all these layers of depression, she just wasn't taking care of herself. And, and then the Alzheimer's kicked in. And so in some of our meetings, when I was at this institution, I would say, well, we're not looking at we're just looking at like cells in a Petri dish. No one's thinking about the environmental factors. No one's thinking about stress. No one's thinking about emotions. And it was always like, I was, I had like three heads whenever I said it, it was just like, who is this girl? Like, what is she even talking about? Like that has nothing to do with anything, you know? And I was incurred, like, you know, uh, anyway, a bunch of things fell into place. And I decided to kind of look at the Chinese medical school that was literally down the street. And one of the first introduction lectures I listened to, I went to a, you know, a, an open house there. They talked about how emotions played such a huge role in disease and dis-ease in Chinese medicine is just disharmony, discomfort, something's going wrong and that there's always an emotional and a physical component. And to me, it was like the biggest light bulb went off in my head because I, that, that to me, I, I just always thought that there had to be, you can't just look at one thing. Like we don't live in a vacuum, you know what I mean? We just don't. And so there's so many layers. And and then as, as I've grown and, you know, I've been, that was 20 some odd years ago, that was literally 22 years ago when that, that like light bulb went off for me. And so over the years, I've evolved a lot and done a lot of my own personal and spiritual work and, and have been a clinician for 17 years. I mean, if you count grad school at 21 years, I've been seeing patients, you know, and so, mm-hmm. um, you, you can't argue it. There's always an emotional component, you know, whether it came first or it was, you know, as a side effect, it, it doesn't quite matter though, that it has to be addressed, you know? And so I, I've now recently labeled it as, you know, there's physical inflammation, which we know impacts hormones. It, like everybody talks about every, everything should be anti-inflammatory in order for us to right. live a long disease-free life. Right. But no one's talking about emotional inflammation, which, you know, as I talk about in my book, Body Belief is, is, and I talk about it in Yes, You Can Get Pregnant as well. Like my other books, I've been talking about it in every book I've ever written, which I've been, you know, I'm I'm about to publish my fourth book, um, is that, you know, the, the mindset plays a tremendous role. You know, if we have all this the thoughts we think, and if they're very toxic or noxious or like I'm worthless, you know what I mean? Like the the body does respond. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, the last couple of years, there's great neuroscience research showing that our thoughts actually do predict neurochemical behavior in our brain, which will impact our physiology. So if you walk around thinking I'm broken, I'm infertile, I'm never going to be fixed, your body starts to listen. And so getting a hold of that emotional inflammation, I think is a, is a really important piece that is very often overlooked, especially by the Western medical. Mm-hmm. 
That's so crucial. I agree. Like, especially I feel like our thoughts are the most um, underrated, like piece of the healing because we think all the time and, you know, it can be very subconscious too. And over time it can change the neural pathways in our brain. 100%. So yeah. That's well, and also your thoughts dictate your behavior, your behavior dictates your health, your life. Right. right? So it's like, there's two pathways. It, it like literally changes neurochemistry in your brain, but then it also literally changes how you show up in the world. Cause if mm -hmm. you feel worthless, if you feel unfixable, then right. you're really not going to like go and commit to some like lifestyle overhaul yeah. to heal your PCOS. Right. You know, cause it's like, why I'm worthless. There's no point, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, small changes I usually think are the best in that kind of situation where it's like, okay, just try little things and see, start seeing the improvements and then get the momentum up. But it, the thoughts, I agree. Like, and I say that in body belief, like I could tell you exactly what to eat and when to sleep and how to meditate and all these things. But yeah, unless you actually believe that you're worthy of the healing that you desire, That's we're only like going to get placebo, so far. Placebo effect, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And there's, I talk a lot about placebo and nocebo in body belief, but mm -hmm. it's still, um, I don't know, some argue it's higher, but like 15 to 20% of all medicine is placebo, I think. And mm -hmm. so then there's nocebo, which is kind of like negative, you know, like there's positive right. and placebo of like, <laughs> but there's also nocebo effects of like, like your doctor telling you, oh, you have PCOS. Yeah. You're probably going to have a really hard time getting pregnant. Right. Guess what? That seed was just planted. And now that becomes your story. You know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, when someone wants to try to cultivate a mindset that helps improve their chance of conceiving, you know, besides just like kind of working on their thoughts or observing it, do you actually recommend that someone, you know, work with like someone else, like a therapist or like in a group setting or, you yeah, know, anything, whatever works for you. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of therapy you know, progressive therapy though, like a therapist that like probably is going to use EMDR or tapping right. or something like that. You know, um, I mean, uh, most of my book, it's funny because I had never been in active therapy when I, uh, now I've done some therapy, but writing, when I was writing Body Belief, my editor was actually an MSW. So she had a master's uh, degree and, you know, knew psychology very well. And she was like, it's so funny because I have this, the art of shifting your beliefs. It's acknowledge, reform, transform. It's a whole like step-by-step -step process. She's like, this is actually like CBT. It's kind of cognitive mm -hmm. behavioral therapy, what you're teaching in this book. And I didn't even know that, you know? So, yeah. um, so I do think it's like what, whatever works for you. If, if you have a therapist, that's a good place, but also some people have therapy and they just kind of keep talking about the same thing over and over again. So I think things like EMDR or tapping actually help you really move through. So you can like re like the rewiring really needs to happen but then groups i mean i run you know i have uh, some groups and I, I think the the group aspect especially for you know i mean i guess probably anything but just it really lifts the shame because you stop feeling alone mm -hmm. and you start seeing other people who are just like you so i think it starts to normalize it for you a little bit and you're like oh okay yeah. she's doing it i can too right um and, you know, it's, it's just then also surrounding yourself with more like-minded people and kind of like detoxing your life on every level, you know, even in relationships and, you know, you have to start with the conversation you have with yourself first, and then it's the judgment that you have of others and, and or you're the shame or the blame, all of those things, you know, and start checking yourself. And then I do think you start to see the world a bit differently and maybe call in different people and, you know, like the right support or the right relationships and leave certain relationships that maybe feel unhealthy or toxic for you. 
but wherever you start, I think it's great. You know, I think just yeah. the acknowledgement that you need, um, or that the acknowledgement that you're ready to change the thought behaviors. You know, Joe Dispenza says something I think really powerful. Um, he's got some great books too. Like that's another great place oh, to yeah, start. He's but great. Mm-hmm. He says something like if you, your, your life, your reactions to life are based on your emotions and your emotions are based on your past. So past experiences like lend themselves to your current reaction because you're reacting based on mm-hmm. what past happened to you in the past, right? Past conditioning. So if you want to change the trajectory of your life, if you want to, ch- you have to change your reaction, which means you have to basically, you know, start living in the present moment as if anything is possible versus like you're basically keeping yourself in the loop because you're just living in the possibilities that you've experienced. And so instead of reacting the same old way, you could say to yourself, like you just catch yourself in the moment of like, okay, so that's how I normally react. I get Mm -hmm. pissed or I get angry or I lash out or I go and, you know, emotionally eat or whatever it is. I binge shop, whatever. So I, that's option A, but option B is there could be another possibility here. Like, and he says, even just you stopping yourself in your tracks and saying to yourself, there's another possible possibility here. There's another possible way I could react. Like I could, I could not take this so personally. I could realize this is somebody else's stuff and not mine. Or I could say, okay, these, this is, I'm in a discovery period and I'm learning more about my body and I'm figuring out how I can help myself. And, you know, I'm going to go read a book. Like there's so many different things that you could do. So it's just being open to the possibility will begin to shift the trajectory of, of your future and the rest of your life. Yeah. But for as long as you continue to react and re- like you react and you don't respond, basically you react to your life based on your past. It's, it's hard to make it change. So, you know, you did you talk all about all of that in body belief or like tell us a little bit more about your book? Yeah, about body belief. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, yeah, I did a lot of research on, you know, neuroscience and neurochemistry and um, and bring that all into body belief. So there's there's three pillars in body belief is the first is reconnecting to yourself. So until you start to hear the conversation you have in the privacy of your own mind you can't change it right you don't even know what you're saying and there's an interesting statistic that we have um about fifty thousand thoughts a day and 90 percent of them are the same interesting so you'll (laughs) learn a lot you know by tuning in you know it's like like my my constant thought is just like it's always this thing of like you didn't do it right. You're not doing it good enough. It's always like a good enough thing for me. It's, and it's a lifelong thing. Like, you know, it's just like, and I can hear it. And now I can like kind of joke with myself or I, you know, it's, it's not really about erasing those chronic thoughts. Cause you know, you, you can, you, you, as you rewire, you, you erase them more, but it's more about hearing them. And then like, kind of like having like grace for yourself, like, oh my gosh, that's how I talk to myself. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I am, abusive to myself and so just acknowledging that so in the reconnecting phase that's what we spend a lot of time and I spend a lot of time talking about in body belief is like and then the most common limiting beliefs when it comes to illness and disease and so some of them are like oh it's my genetics or I feel bad feeling good or you know nobody is that healthy anymore like as we get older we you know we all gain weight or we all right. get less healthy it's just you know, it's just like this thing it's just part of life you know um 
And, you know, I, I, I kind of walk through and discount those beliefs. And then I start to, you know, I give tools of like how you can connect to yourself. And, um, you know, I always give an example of like when I'm busy, like, especially when I'm in the clinic seeing patients sometimes, and we all do it, like we're in this meeting right now, but we're thinking about like our meeting in a half hour, you know, and like, are, am I going to be on time? Am I prepared? Did I do all these things? And so when I catch myself doing that, which is a, about, it does root back to my good enoughness. Cause it's like, I want to be like hundred percent on point, right? yeah, on point <laughs> and like not, not miss a beat. Right. It's like my stuff of being hard on myself. So I just quickly say to myself, like in my head, you know, maybe I'll say it out loud if I'm alone, but in my head, I'm like, Amy, where are you? Where'd you go? You know? And it's like, Oh, right. No, I'm right here with this patient and her issues and, you know, or whatever it is, or, or I'm right here eating my lunch instead of like in the six o'clock meeting, do you know? So getting yourself like right back in your present moment is, is, is that's the first key to really reconnecting. And then also, I think when we're talking about healing and health conditions, it's, it's about feeling all the feels like, how does my body feel right now? Cause I think we really are good at numbing out. Right. Mm-hmm. checking yeah. out and not dissociating, not noticing like, Oh, when I eat that, I feel like this. Or when I skip breakfast and have three cups of coffee, I have a, an anxiety attack at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? Or I can't yeah. sleep that night, like, or I get a headache. So just starting to like live in your body again and see like, where am I disconnected? And so that that's the first pillar. It's all about reconnecting. And then the, um, the, the second pillar is, um, Oh my gosh, is that funny? So if we connect, <laughs> is that funny? I just totally had a brain fart. Um, oh, renew, renew, of course. Reconnect, renew. I knew reawaken. I'm like, what is the third, second one? So renewing your beliefs. So now you've identified, you've reconnected, and then you start working on shifting the beliefs of, that you have about your body, about your health, about your condition, about your story, your ability to heal your life, your circumstances, your genetics, I mean, all the things, right? We all have a story and, and what is it, you know? And so, and if you really identify with like, what is, I always say to my girls, I, I run a program called Yes, and it's all about releasing your fertility fears and shifting your mindset around. We just talk about mindset. We don't do any diet or lifestyle or anything. It's just all mindset, this program. And so what I start them off with is I ask them to write out their like 60 second, like elevator pitch on their fertility journey, you know, and like, mm-hmm. right. But I want you to physically write it out. Like you meet someone and they're like, here's my story. And you're like, oh, here's my story. And yeah. and then we go through and we kind of dissect like how maybe negative or demeaning or angry or whatever it's laced with sadness, grief, you know, and, and start to see the belief patterns in there. Like, I'm broken. This isn't working for me. I don't have the right support. I don't know where the right doctors are. You know, I just, money limits me, time limits me, my age limits me, whatever, you know, whatever the story is, we, we look at it and, and we start to renew the beliefs. So it, it could be something like, I'm too old. There's no hope to, well, you know, Jolene Brighton got pregnant at 42 <laughs> or Amy got pregnant at 40 well, and, you know, 44. Right. And Amy has these, there's, I know, I do know some women or, or like with PCOS, like I know a lot of girls with PCOS that have gone on to have healthy children. So there is a possibility. So it's just opening to the possibility. It's not like sunshine and rainbows of like, yeah. oh, I'm, you know, I'm too old. Why bother? Or there's no hope. It's, and then, oh my gosh, every, you know, uh, I'm so easily going to get pregnant. Like, I think that's really 
not realistic either. Toxic like, positivity. I think yeah. is the word people are using these days. And I, uh-huh. and I actually like it. I, I really do not like toxic positivity. I think, I think it can do a lot of harm because it, it basically suppresses the negative emotions. We Chinese medicine, we want them up and out because if you don't process emotions and, and you're, you're pushing negativity down or toxic thoughts down, it will turn into toxins in your body. Like hundred percent, we see a correlation in Chinese medicine between your beliefs and disease and, and mm-hmm. serious diseases, you know? Right. Um, so it's about starting to shift from like, like say it's black to white, like you're going from black to like gray and a little less gray and a little less gray until the point where the, the conversation comes up, I'm too old, why bother to, well, the truth is, is something inside of me still has some hope and I still want to pursue this. And I do know other cases that have figured it out at my age. So maybe I can too. Right. You know what I mean? And then it might be, you know what? I actually am in the game. I think I'm in the game. I think I have a possibility. So you work on renewing the beliefs. And and then the third part of the book is the reawaken phase, which is where then I layer in the diet and the lifestyle and the non-toxic bath and beauty products, all like the pragmatic stuff, which most people love to do and are like they just dive <laughs> yeah. right in. They want to do all that stuff, the emotional stuff. Mm-mm. And I always say, if I have a girl that is like, I'm doing all the things. And it's still not working. It's like, well, I hate to tell you, then it's, we got to look at some beliefs, you know, we, there's some, or it's like a chronic fight or flight, but that's typically beliefs too. Cause it's like the first thing you think of in the morning of like, oh my God, I'm never going to have children. I'm never going to have the family I dreamed of. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm, I'm worthless. I'm useless. My hormones are all out of whack. Like I don't have the yeah. support. And you're just in chronic fight or flight all day long, all day long. Oh, I ate this. I didn't do that. I didn't take my supplements. Oh my gosh. My egg quality is going to go to crap. You know, like it's just, yeah, so we got to deflate calm down you know space grace we're human it's okay you know the 80 20 rule i think is a good rule to try to live by 90 10 maybe um my spiritual teacher always says like if we can get to like that feeling good place in our life just even 60 percent of the time like we're making shifts we're making radical changes you know so it's not perfectionism on any level it's 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 like humanness like mm-hmm. how can i be a human having a human experience and still move the ball forward in the direction of my goals you know and yeah and because i think right i mean my diets can be overwhelming to people so then they just shut down and they're like amy's crazy i can't i can't eat like the way she's yeah, that's too much you know what i mean it just shuts me down shut down okay so what can you take like can you take a little nugget from me and a little nugget from over here and over here and like form your own little plan and see if that works for you and you almost kind of like ease yourself into a process versus, you know, and some girls want to just dive right in and do everything, you know, yeah. so everybody's different. Yeah, I like that. And I think it so aligns with also like functional medicine oh, and, yeah. you know, how I approach my clients, like everyone's very individual and you have to meet yourself where you're at too. Like hundred percent, there's too much pressure to always jump into things. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's a lot of pressure too. And then, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and if I, I see this a lot too, it's almost like I lay out the framework of what I think they should do and what I think, you know, what I've seen be successful for others. And then I say, okay, so I want you to like memorize this framework and then get it into play a little bit. And then I basically spend time like teaching them how to be flexible within the framework. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like how to, how to like almost unlearn it a little bit. Like, okay, now you laid this really good foundation. And now you know that you can feel this much better, you know, and now you're pooping every day, your skin looks good, like your period's like regulating, like all these things, like things are happening and you're feeling good. And so you go ahead, you can, you can deviate from the plan. Let's see how you feel, you know, and then they deviate and they're like, oh my God, that was, yeah, yeah, that was not worth it. And so then it's like, they learned, 
they kind of learned on their own. And then it's just easier to live in this, in this new paradigm, but, but then also be human, like go out to dinner with friends and you know what I mean? And, and you try to, you try to live your life. Yeah, for sure. Like definitely, you know, socializing is such a big part too, because you have to meet your friends. You're not like in a bubble. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love everything you talked about today. I think I have to re-listen to this um, for myself um you know your body your book body belief sounds amazing I'm really glad that you spent like the you know the first two stages just really honing in on the belief thing um and not kind of just jumping yeah that was important because it's like I always say I don't really people say oh you help women get pregnant and it's like well you know my job isn't the positive pregnancy test like that's fun that's an awesome side effect it's super fun I love making babies. I mean, it's like the best thing on the planet. But what I really like making is like good, solid, healthy mamas because mm-hmm. that's what we need to move the ball forward in this world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I need I need a good, solid, healthy mama. And health is mental, emotional, physical, nutritional. It's not just like a good FSH or balanced, you know, testosterone or something. No, it yeah. is it is every level. And so my like, what's in my heart is about helping women like be themselves again like and in their power and feeling mm-hmm. awesome and then like go rock it and and make that baby make those babies you know and yeah. and raise them well yeah so if someone's listening to this and they're like i want to be a strong healthy mama <laughs> where <laughs> where can they find you or like you know read your book or join your, one of your programs yeah so i mean everything's on my website at amyrop.com and all my books are on amazon you can follow me on instagram or facebook you know i'm there all the time i do facebook slash instagram lives every single week on different health topics usually always pertaining to women's health hormones and or fertility mm-hmm. um and, you know, I just, I kind of love Instagram. I hang out there a lot. So I'm, yeah. I'm always there. And I think we provide a lot of inspiration and hope, um, realistic inspiration and hope for, for our followers. So, yeah. Nice. I am definitely going to um, go see your IG lives. Like that's oh, my favorite great. thing ever. Yeah, check out the one with Dr. Murphy. You'll really like it from an epigenetic um, egg quality perspective. It's a powerful conversation. It's a brilliant, brilliant um medical doctor who's a reproductive endocrinologist but it is just looking at it a little differently than how mainstream is and I Mm -hmm. think that's really like it's one thing for you know like functional medicine or Chinese medicine like we're more in that holistic perspective so people expect us but like to see a mainstream western fertility doctor talk that way is um really yeah it's so refreshing he's a refreshing human he is and so there's more and there's more and more doctors like him and and i do think that we'll start to change that conversation that it's just not so much just about our age right and it's not so much even just about our hormones you know it's Mm -hmm. it's about it's really about the whole picture yeah i hope it's a ripple effect and i think you're part of it like you're definitely part of the whole wave changing all of us are, you know, it's, it's, um, it's everybody coming together. It's community and sharing and lifting each other up. Yeah. Well, this was great. Um, I learned Thank a lot you. and I hope, you know, someone listening to this would learn a lot too. Very nice to meet you. So nice to meet you. Thank you, Melissa.